0: Welcome to the Wilton Baptist Church, where we worship God, walk with others, and win people to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm Pastor Steve, and our congregation is pleased to share this message with you today, and we pray it'll be a blessing and an encouragement to you. Blessings as you listen or watch. We're in the book of Jeremiah, so if you would find the book of Jeremiah, a new series, we'll go through chapter by chapter this book, and the next several months, it'll be a good study, learning from this large Old Testament prophet, and he was one of the major prophets is what I mean by that. <clears throat> So the book of Jeremiah, we have a lot of passages that we'll look at, and today's kind of an intro, an overview of the life and times of Jeremiah, and who Jeremiah was, and what his message was as well. Reverend J.C. Ryle, he wrote several books a long time ago, J.C. Ryle, some of you may have read some of his books, he he wrote that I can certainly testify after 16 years ministry that by far the most Hopeless deathbeds I have attended have been those backsliders, been been of those of backsliders. I have seen such persons go out of the world without hope, whose conscience appeared really dead, buried, and gone, and on whom every truth and doctrine and argument appeared alike thrown away. They seemed to have lost the power of feeling, they could only lie still in despair. After 20 years of ministry, I could suggest that Mr. Ryle, Pastor Ryle, was, was right. And, and someone who knew the truth and walked away from it, they, they are backslidden, away from God, and are really in a desperate situation, even in the last moments of life that I've encountered some people in situations like that. Other doubt and uncertainty, and, and no doubt there's regret and confusion. That's in their life because they had turned their back at some point on truly following the Lord. The main theme of Jeremiah and the reason that he is the tearful prophet or the weeping prophet is because of the backsliding of the nation of Israel, of Judah in particular. They had turned their back on God. Now, how many of you are between the ages of 18 and 24? Anybody here? 17 maybe. 17, 18, 19, 20. Okay, we have several here. Some are helping in other ministries right now. Others are on trips. So we have some 18 to 24, 17 to 24. Think about this. Jeremiah began his prophetic ministry at the age of 20. God called him to prophetic ministry at the age of 20 so just look around some of these 20 year olds or close to 20 somethings and that's about the same time frame of him Uh, king josiah of judah was a good king and he had a good relationship with jeremiah they had a, a, a mutual respect and admiration and love for the lord not only for each other but for the lord as well but after king josiah dies then there are several wicked kings of Judah that, that uh, Jeremiah encounters. And they oppose him. Some of them imprison him. Some of them put him down in a well, in a cistern, in a, just a muddy pit. Uh, some are persecuting him, and people are saying how much they hate his, his message to Judah. Jeremiah, in his later years, encounters King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. And he's given a choice. You can travel to Babylon, or you can stay here in Judah and live in Jerusalem the rest of your days. Jeremiah chose to live in Jerusalem. He didn't go to Babylon, but his own people, they captured him. They captured him and carried him away to Egypt because they said his prophecies actually came true. So we're going to take him with us because we want to get away from Babylon. There's so many dramatic things that takes place in the book of Jeremiah, so many key and important teachings throughout uh, all the Bible that we also find here. Jeremiah is uh, buried in Egypt somewhere today. He's often called the weeping prophet or the prophet of loneliness because he was commanded by God to not get married. A prophet of loneliness. So some of you 20-somethings, you may be thinking like, oh, I'd like to get married one day. Um, He was told by God, don't get married. He's also known as a reluctant prophet. He says, I can't even talk. And this is chapter one. We'll look at it perhaps next week. So he's kind of reluctant about uh, even uh, declaring the word that God gives to him. But he endures beatings, imprisonment, great opposition. Most 20-year-olds... Unless you're called to singleness, and there is such a thing as being called to singleness, have a desire to get married one day, to have a family, to have children. But when God told him, I want you to not get married, it has a lot of things connected. That means you're going to be celibate all of your life. And so there's no intimacy, no physical relationship, there's no... Uh, hope for a spouse, a wife, or for children in his future. God said, I want you to be celibate. I want you to not get married. And so he had a different calling. Some people, a majority of people are called to marriage, but some people are called to singleness. You could read 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and there's uh, about 10 verses there that talk about the gift of singleness. But God has a different calling for different people. Some to get married, others to remain single. And Jeremiah was called to a life of singleness. Jeremiah 16 verse 2 tells us, Thou shalt not take thee a wife, neither shalt thou have sons or daughters in this place. So Jeremiah is the prophet of loneliness. He's the prophet of, of uh, sorrow and of sadness and tears. Why are you crying, Jeremy? That's what we'll call our message today. Jeremy, why are you crying? What are all these tears about? Friends, even when we choose to do what is right, life is tough. And he was choosing to do what is right, but life was still going to be tough. And there's going to be sorrow and challenges and difficulties. Well, I'm going I'm to follow God and have a really good life. That does not always mean you're going to have a really easygoing life. Sometimes it means it's going to be more difficult and have more troubles and challenges the philosophy that our world still has today: eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Just do whatever you want to do, do whatever makes you feel good. Uh, be your own person and do what you want. That can be appealing at first, but it's very shallow in the end. And so sometimes people backslide; they turn back away from God because of that type of philosophy. Let's begin reading in chapter one, verse one of of Jeremiah. And we'll just read the first three verses. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests that were in Antioch in the land of Benjamin. So uh, priests would have their different courses. They would come in and out of the temple based on their schedule. They were rotating people in and out. There was another Hilkiah who was in Jerusalem at this time. So there's two Hilkiahs. Uh, One was the high priest at one point. That's not his daddy. It's a different one. So if you studied the scripture to that extent, you would see that. In verse 2, to whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah. Here's that good king. He was the last good king of Judah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the 13th year of his reign. He was the last good king, and you can read about him in 2 Chronicles chapter 34. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the end of the 11th year of Zedekiah the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the carrying away of Jerusalem captive in the fifth month. Jeremiah lived through six kings of Judah. Five were bad, and one was good. When he was born, the king, who was, the king when he was born was a very evil king. And then a good king comes, this one in Josiah, And and Jeremiah begins his ministry at age 20. They knew each other. But then after that, then there's a lot of turmoil and people turning and falling back away from the Lord. Jeremiah, this book is very personable. It's very autobiographical. And he has a lot of great imagery and pictures and descriptions that I think you'll find fascinating. And he writes one more book in the Bible. It's called Lamentations, Lamenting, Crying, and Tears. And so why... Are you crying, Jeremy? Jeremiah was weeping because of backsliding. Backsliding. The word backslide is used 13 times in this book. It's used in this book of Jeremiah more than the word sin and iniquity. Sin is found eight times. Iniquity is found five times. But the idea that these people had the truth and they walked away from it. They were following God and worshiping the one true God, but instead they chose to follow after some other false God and to replace God. In Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 19, you can look at this. Thine own wickedness shall correct thee. Thy backslidings, here's an example of this word, backsliding. Thy backslidings shall reprove thee. Know therefore and see that it is an evil thing and bitter that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God. And that my fear is not in thee, saith the Lord of hosts. The people knew better, but they left God anyway. Their leaders knew better, but they chose to walk away from God anyway. Jesus tells us about this in Luke chapter 12, verse 38, that to whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be required. And of whom much men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. One person said that when it comes to backsliding, that boasting is perhaps the first step in backsliding. And I step forward, but really the first step in pride would be to step back from God. In my pride, I know better. In my pride, I can manage better. In my pride, I can do better than God. Or I'm smarter than God. I'm just going to replace God altogether. Here in chapter 2, if you want to go ahead and look, there's the reason in the two specific sins of their backsliding. Notice in chapter 2, verse 13, you may want to circle some verses or, or some words here. For my people have committed two evils. What were their two evils in their backsliding? They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water. So God pictured himself here as the fountain of living waters and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Some of you know what farm life is like. When You have a a well, and you have a cistern that will hold some extra water on the side. And he said they made cisterns to hold some water. They bring up the water from the well. They put it in the cistern, but they didn't make the cistern right. It didn't hold any water. No water is there. And what was happening is, is they forsook God, They stepped back from God, they forsook God, and they tried to make their own God. They tried to replace him. That's what backsliding is. This is what their sin is. I'm going to step back from God, forsake him, and I'm going to to try to replace him. And throughout this study and throughout our messages the next several months, you'll see so many idols and false things that they tried to replace for their God. So perhaps boasting is the first thing. Warnings against sin and judgment are paramount throughout this book. But there's also a message of hope and restoration. God still offers an olive branch, if you would. While he's talking about judgment, the last several chapters are about judgment on this country and judgment on this country and and judgment on my people for their backsliding. He still offers them hope. You can come back. You can turn back. God offers a way back. God offers a way back to the backslider important prophecies concerning one of the kings named Jehoiakim. There's the prediction or the prophecy of the Messiah in chapter 23, the Babylonian captivity that they're going to endure. Later on, we know of someone named Daniel who goes through the events that Jeremiah prophesies about. There's a revelation of the new covenant or the New Testament, uh, speaking of the new branch being Jesus. And this concept of backsliding and unfaithfulness is really prominent throughout this book. Uh, The name Babylon, the town, the country, the empire, Babylon, is found 164 times more than all the Bible combined in this book. So know this. God offers the backslidden a way back. Maybe it's been a while since you've really walked with God. Maybe it's been a while since you've been in church. Maybe there are some watching at home. You haven't been in church for a while. You haven't read your Bible. You haven't prayed. Now's the time to come back. Today is a day you can turn back to the Lord like Jeremiah was, was preaching and describing to these people. Jeremiah's name is derived from the Hebrew Yermayahu, Yermayahu, and it's Jeremiah. It could be almost, almost like a transliteration of that. And his name means Jehovah founds or Jehovah establishes. I love that description. Jehovah founds or Jehovah establishes. And what it basically means is, God is my foundation. God is my foundation. Jeremiah, God is my foundation. So let's consider some of the world of Jeremiah's day. Again, this is all just introduction to this whole book so we understand the context of his message. Jeremiah was born and raised in Judah, under Assyrian domination, so Assyria was the global empire at that time, and it was the wicked king Manasseh who was uh, the one that was—he was born uh, during his kingdom. Manasseh was affected by all the paganism from the Assyrians, and early from his reign, he began to introduce and to multiply paganisms that his father Hezekiah had purged out. So what happened in in Judah was there were four waves of apostasy or paganism or walking away from God, and there were three revivals. So here they're away from God, they're worshiping Baal and false gods and Asheroth and and these Assyrian false deities, and then there's a revival. And then they fall back again, and then there's a revival. And, And it does this four times away from God and three revivals. And in Jeremiah's lifetime, there was a revival. It went from away from God to a revival, people running back to God. But then near the end of his life, after he gave his message and the people said no, they stopped their ears even. They are like, stop talking to us, Jeremiah. We don't want to hear your message. That's when Babylon came in, carried them all away. And then the rest of the Bible takes place, which was Daniel and all the subsequent events that you may be familiar with. They offered burnt sacrifices to these false gods. And it was so bad in Jeremiah's day that even the the king, this uh, wicked king uh, that I described here, um, Jehoiachin, he offered his own son as a sacrifice. They burned him right up. That's how bad it was. Human sacrifice had become prevalent, not just with the common people, but even the leaders in that era. And so Jeremiah lived in a wicked era, Sorcery, divination, uh, a lot of immorality, a lot of problems, a lot of sin. He lived in a time of the last revival. He lived in a time of a national decline. He lived under the last good king of uh, of the Bible of of uh, Israel history or Judah history. In his time, Judah was carried away. The last stand of the Jews was to be dispersed and finally controlled by others. There's a lot of political, civic parallels, religious parallels, and spiritual applications that we can have and find in our life in our America. And where we live, a lot of parallels that you'll see as we uncover and go through this uh, this book in the next several months. Turmoil among the nations. A lot of instability among the nations. Assyria was the leader. And then other uh, nations like uh, Babylon was in a city-state for a while. And then it grew, and they started to attack the Assyrians. And then you have smaller Countries like Judah trying to decide, and so they're sending their emissaries over here and trying to make a peace treaty over here, and they're all choosing sides. A lot of turmoil, just just kind of like if, uh, if today uh, Russia decided they didn't want Ukraine, they wanted to come over here instead, or if uh, uh, China wanted to come over here instead and, and attack us. It would be like that. The instability, and if you ever feel the tension on the world stage, it was like that constantly in Jeremiah's day. And here's the news from this country, and who are they going to attack, and what side are we going to be on? So even globally, there's a lot of chaos that we can also identify with and understand. Nineveh was uh, Syria. I think of Jonah and Nineveh, uh, the, the largest city of that era. It fell to Babylon and the Medes in 612, the Assyrians lasted just a little bit longer, but Babylon really emerged in as a leader. And so that's why when when uh, Nebuchadnezzar comes close to Jerusalem, he sends his general in and says to Jeremiah, they actually release him. He was the, the king of Judah had, had put him in prison and chained him up. They they released him and said, All right, you're good to go. You can choose what you want to do. This is the rapport that he had even with the leaders that he would disagree with. Israel and Judah we're all going through this time and all these troubles because they backslid they went away from god they knew better from the time of solomon there was there was a, a decline and then a revival decline and a revival the four times away from god the three times back to god just like i've already described here's the eventual outcome jeremiah 52 last chapter of the book now, in the fifth month, in the tenth day of the month, which was the 19th year of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came Neb- Nebuzaradan, captain of the guard, which served the king of Babylon into Jerusalem and burned the house of the Lord. Okay, so the temple, they burned it down in the king's house. And all the houses of Jerusalem and all the houses of the great men burned he with fire, and all the army of the Chaldeans that were with the captain of the guard break down the walls of Jerusalem round about. They just came in and tore it all down. Why? Jeremiah, why are you crying? He could have said, he could have said, I told you so. He could have said that. Because he did. He said, friends, if we don't turn back to God... If we don't get our act together with all this sin and immor- morality and idol worship and all the stuff that's going on, God told me to tell you <laughs> we're going to be judged. And Babylon, and people had heard of Babylon, but Assyria was their leader at this time. Assyria was the ruler, but Babylon is going to come and, and capture us and take us away. And that's what happened, exactly like God said. What a painful reminder for the consequence of our sin. You cannot backslide without suffering. You cannot backslide without suffering. But friends, God offers a way back. God offers a way back. You can come back to God today. So our message today comes from several key verses. There's so many. I just found a handful of the key verses. There are many others, like the potter, uh, the potter, the vessel, and the potter, and, and and other pictures. He goes and buys a field because he believes God will bring him back to the land. There's so many things that we'll see, but I just chose five to give a, a very uh, hopefully robust overview to you today. The first one is this: because God offers the backslidden a way back. Know this: God calls us for this specific moment in time. It's not an accident that you're here today or that we're alive in 2023 in America, in our local community here. It's not an accident that you're here or at your school or in your workplace or in your neighborhood. God calls us to a specific moment in a specific space of time and a specific location in which we are. Jeremiah, I have called you And I've given you a message. That's in chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3 that we've already read. I've given you my word. But notice in verse 5, if you would. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. That means set apart. I set you apart, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. He had a calling on his life for that specific moment in that specific place. And you have a calling in life for this specific moment in this specific place as well. The people were hateful. They were immoral and irrational in their reasoning. They were killing their own kids. The civic leaders were full of pride. As long as they had money, the religious community didn't care about God's word. The nation was corrupt from the politicians to the judges to the business owners who would also offer false weights and would say they'll pay you for a job to get done and then they wouldn't pay them. We'll, We'll see some of this in our study as well. Uh, The education system was lacking. The environment, I'm talking about the actual environment, the weather pattern was changing at certain times during Jeremiah's 40 years of ministry. What today people call climate change, it it was already happening, weather patterns were changing, part of God's pronouncement against them uh, for some of their sin. The international climate among nations was uh, a tinderbox ready to explode. So we can feel some of those things even today if we just have our eyes open. And I hope you don't constantly watch the news, but if you see the way things are, it's very similar to the way it was in Jeremiah's day. So we can really identify, if you see something wrong, it was just like that back when Jeremiah was around. But God called Jeremy for this moment, for this period of time. The word of the Lord came to jeremiah now not all of us are called to vocational ministry but all of us in some way are called to bible ministry as christians you are called to bible ministry we need to know the book we can live the book and some of us live it out better than others and i'm working on that just like anybody else to live the book and to follow the lord but god has called us not all to vocational ministry but we're all in ministry in some way Every Christian has a way that they can serve and minister and propagate the gospel and edify and and encourage other Christians. We're all called to something. I hope that you found a way that you can serve and minister with God's people and, and with us here today. It's not an accident that you are here. God has a purpose for your life. This brings us to the second major teaching, which would be the heart is misleading, the human heart is misleading. So if I'm going to backslide, a lot of times then I'm I'm feeling my heart more than I'm following the Lord. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So when you hear people say, follow your heart, that's bad advice. Do what you feel like doing, okay? Bad advice. Here's where that gets us a man dressing up like a sexualized woman, reading books to kids at the Lake Luzerne Library, which was scheduled, it didn't happen. But that's, that's all, that all comes about by somebody saying, I'm going to follow my heart, and I am following something that will mislead me. Your heart will mislead you. And there's a word for that especially when it comes to like monetary things, if there's a gain, there has to be a gain somewhere. But when you represent yourself for something that you're not in the dictionary, that's called fraud. That's fraud. And people are committing fraud because they're lying to themselves because they're following their heart and their heart has misled them to believe a lie. You don't have to be angry about that. I'm not angry about it. It's sad it's a sad thing that people commit fraud and they must feel some kind of a benefit from projecting themselves as something that physically and mentally and emotionally and spiritually they are not. And it's, it's not right. Even, even in psychology books up until about five years ago, it was called a mental disorder. All the definitions have changed. It's all changed. The word deceit here in Jeremiah... It's the word a cob. It means insidious, deceitful, or tracked by footprints. So there's a lot of, in Hebrew words, there's a lot of pictures. I, I love it because of the pictures. So here's the picture is uh, footprints. Some of you like to go hunting, and you'll follow footprints. Or if you were tracking somebody through the woods, and you'll see some footprints. Let's say the footprints are going this way, kind of diagonal, going this way. But what if somebody's mud, muddying it all up? Okay. The tracks look like they're going everywhere. That's the picture of this. The heart is deceitful. It's going to make it feel like I can go this way and this way and this way, and and you don't know what to do. You don't know where to go. That's, That's the word deceit. That's what the word deceit is. It will mislead you. Your heart will track it all up so you can't tell where to go. So this is right, this is wrong. Uh, this is up, this is down, well, I'm not so sure anymore. It's because of the deceit in people's hearts, following their hearts. And so do what you want to do. It'll be okay. It's not true. Don't follow that bad advice. That brings us to number three then. Jesus is the only way of salvation from sin's judgment. Jeremiah says this in chapter 23, verses 5 and 6. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days, Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is the name whereby he shall be called the Lord our Righteousness. Notice it's all caps for emphasis. Uh, it, would, it would be really written in, in large letters uh, in the uh, Old Testament to emphasize that. And so the Lord is our righteousness. This is a prophecy about the coming of Jesus. Of course, he came the first time, but he didn't set up his kingdom the first time. But he's coming again to set up his kingdom, and he'll set up his kingdom one day, but the only way into that kingdom is through the Lord our righteousness. Through Christ. How can a person go to the kingdom of heaven? It's through the Lord, our righteousness. Not my righteousness, not my works, which we know are described in the scriptures as being filthy rags, but through the righteousness of Jesus. It's his righteousness alone. He only is righteous. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The word justified is amazing because justified, just as if I never sinned, and also just as if I have the righteousness of Jesus. As Christians, we have that. That's how we're allowed into heaven. It's because we've placed our faith in the finished work of Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, which we celebrated last week, and we're celebrating today that Christ is alive, and it's because of this we believe in the gospel. He forgives us of our sins and puts on us his righteousness. So when God sees you, he sees a righteous person. And when I say that, you're kind of thinking, well, are you talking about me? You know, I'm not righteous. Yeah, I know, I know, I'm not righteous either. But when God sees us because you place your faith in Christ, he puts on you his righteousness, and he says, come on in. You're allowed into heaven. You, are, you have your sins totally forgiven by Christ. The way into a perfect, holy, sinless, undefiled heaven is to be righteous, and we're not righteous ourselves. It's only Christ. Romans 10.10 10 says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation have you trusted christ for yourself then believe in this resurrection and believe this righteousness of christ and then confess christ with your mouth and, and and go ahead and call on him for salvation today that brings us to number four another number another highlight here god has good plans and he has good thoughts for each life, he has good thoughts and plans for our lives. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. There's one uh, psychiatrist named Carl Jung, and uh, he's well known, the father of a certain way of uh, of thinking. And he tried to explain what Jeremiah said years ago, but with a humanistic bent. He said, "When goal goes." Meaning goes. When meaning goes, purpose goes. When purpose goes, life is dead on our hands. All right. He's trying to reason life away and find a purpose for human existence, but perhaps apart from God. God says, I already know you, and I have thoughts that are good towards you, and I already have a plan for your life. In other words, God has a purpose for your life. Not everyone recognizes it or sees it. But God has a purpose for your life. Find God's purpose. Discover God's divine plan for your life. There's a divine and a godly reason that you're here today, living and breathing on this earth. No matter what good you face, no matter what bad you face, what temptations or trials you're going through, there's a purpose for all of this. There's a reason. We may not fully comprehend, but there's a reason. Back in 2003, wildfires ravaged the area of San Bernardino, California. After the fires were out, a man named Mike returned back to his home that was destroyed by the fire. And as he was walking around, a page of paper, a piece of paper he saw flying, and he followed it around and finally stepped on that paper and stopped it from flying through the air. And he picked it up, and it was a page of the very first Bible that he ever had. And as he examined that page, that piece of paper from his Bible, he, he recognized this is a, a part of the Bible that was my very first Bible that I had, and he saw a passage that he had highlighted on that very page. It was Jeremiah 29, verses 11 through 13 that he had highlighted, and he read those words, and framed after reading those words, for I know the plans or the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. So he took that, he framed it, and when they rebuilt their house, he put it up on the wall as a monument. That I don't understand why we lost our house, and we lost all of our belongings. The only thing that survived was this one page, but I'm going to keep trusting God that God had a perfect plan for all of that. We have different things that we face. All of us do. Some seem larger than others, and we shouldn't, compare. we shouldn't compare the problems that we face. But God has a plan for it. There's a purpose. There's a bigger picture that sometimes it's hard for us to see a divine purpose. God calls us for a specific time. The heart is misleading. Jesus is the only way of salvation from judgment for our sins. God has good thoughts and plans for each life. And finally, number five, we need to ask God. We must ask God to show us the way. Jeremiah 33, 3, call unto me, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. We need to be people who pray. I want to know what I should do in the midst of a chaotic world. Yes, Jeremiah told us what to do. We need to pray. We need to pray. Robert Boyle was the founder of the Royal Society in London and is sometimes called the father of modern chemistry. Some of you scientific minds remember his name. He was born at Lismore Castle in Ireland in 1627. In 1643, he became a Christian while studying in Switzerland. Boyle was the first scientist to perform controlled experiments and to publish his work with elaborate details concerning procedure, apparatus, and observations. He assembled a first research group he invented the vacuum pump and litmus paper back in 1662 he developed what's known as Boyle's law which states that under certain conditions that uh, conditions of constant temperature and quantity there's an inverse relationship between volume and pressure for an ideal gas so basically the way a lot of stuff works today he discovered okay this is the guy this is the man, we love. our stuff works, Robert Boyle. He had a deep commitment to Christ. And in 1677, he provided for the funding of the translation of the four gospels in the book of, of Acts into the Malayan uh, language. And he believed there were things that you could not know in life apart from knowing, uh, from knowing the Lord. He actually had that belief. Uh, he helped create one of those buzzers for nurseries even. Now, I'm, <laughs> I mean, he did it all, you know. I'm, I'm kidding. It's okay, totally. <laughs> but he believed that apart from, from really knowing the Lord, here's what he said. Here's what he said. Boyle recommended that scientists do their experiments on Sundays as part of their Sabbath worship. He said, I think you guys should be testing stuff on Sunday as part of your worship to God, kind of like how we work and do the best we can for the glory of God. He believed, and he began each day with prayer and Bible reading, and he believed that during prayer and his personal worship, that the Lord could reveal and did reveal to him some of the universe's secrets. So some of the stuff that he discovered or figured out, he believed, was because he was walking with God. You see, We need to call out to God. We need to pray. And he can show us some things that are great and are mighty that maybe we wouldn't know otherwise if we don't ask. We need to ask. There's a lot of things you're trying to figure out. We need to ask God. He left, uh, when he was about to die, he left an an endowment to provide for sufficient income for an annual lectureship to combat atheism, and they became known as the Boyle Lectures. They lasted for a long time, then they ceased for a while. They were restarted back in 2004, and they have the same theme, something about faith and, and trusting the Lord. He believed God showed him special things in life because he asked God. Jeremiah said the same thing. We can ask God, call unto me, I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things thou knowest not. I don't know if somebody else will know it or not, but you'll know it if you ask. We've got to ask. So pray to the Lord, friends. Let's read his word. Let's be faithful. Let's spend time with, the God, with our God in conversation on a daily basis, and God will answer your prayers, and God can and will show you the way, but we need to call out to God. One person said that all of our failures are prayer failures. It sounds like a very hard, definite statement. All of our failures, human failures, are prayer failures. I believe it's probably right that we don't pray like we should and we have the problems that we have because we're not really asking God like we ought. All of our failures are prayer failures. But God offers the backslidden a way back. That's what the book of Jeremiah is about. So come back to God. Individual, person, people today, come back to God. Family, come back today. Community, state, country, come back to God today. Jeremiah is an open invitation for people to turn back from God and to go back to him, to stop backsliding and go back to the Lord. There's an old shepherd who prayed back, oh, a few hundred years ago at the Welsh Revival and at this meeting, there's a, a great turning back of the Welsh people back to the Lord. And as he was at that meeting, he was lamenting, he was crying, he was praying about his backsliding. He had backslidden from the Lord. The shepherd prayed, Lord, I got among the thorns and the briars, and I was scratched and torn and bleeding. But Lord, it's only fair to say that it was not on thy ground that I got all bleeding and had the thorns and the briars. I left your pasture field. I left your path. I think we can say the same thing. If you're going to backslide, there's going to be some some difficulty that will arise because of that. Just because you come back to God, that's not going to make things change overnight either, or better overnight either. But you'll be on the right path, and God will have you back and you can keep walking with the Lord. So let's get back to God today. Romans chapter 10, verse 10 tells us that "For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If there's a friend right now, you've never trusted Christ today, believe the gospel, believe in the righteousness of Christ and then confess him with your mouth, call out to him, ask him to save you and he will. Choose Christ today. And then, Christian, continue or turn back to God this very moment. Let's take some time to pray, visit with the Lord. Our questions today and response will be this. You can see them on the screen before I offer the prayer. is I will answer God's call in my life. God has a call for every person, young and old. All of us have a call. With God's grace, I will answer God's call for my life. Did God challenge you about that? Anybody? Just raise your hand. Yes, I want to find God's call. I will answer it. God, God bless you. Thank you. Maybe this is your prayer. Lord, let me discern my heart versus your heart. That's the challenge sometimes. Is this my heart or your heart? Lord, help me to discern my heart and your heart. Anybody like that? God challenge you with that? Yes. That's a good prayer for every day. How about knowing what to do? Lord, show me the way. Maybe the way back to God, the way moving forward with the Lord, Lord, show me the way. That's my prayer today. Anybody, just raise your hand to testify. God bless you. Yes, several hands. Commit those decisions to the Lord. If there's a friend that needs salvation, forgiveness of sins, today's your day. Trust Christ. Talk to me following a service or talk to Pastor Rob. We'll, find, uh, we'll talk with you and show you the Bible, and you can believe the gospel and know for certain your sins are forgiven and that you're a child of God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the book of Jeremiah, the challenges that he faced, the problems of his era. We can definitely learn from and identify with. Help each one here, help myself, each of us, to be able to discern what our will is versus your will. Let us follow your will, your plan for our lives, not just what we think is best. Lord, there's a call. All of us have a call. It's different for each of us. Let us find that call and fulfill it, to find the divine purpose. You created us. You formed us for this specific moment. Let us follow and find that, that in our life. Lord, if there's one without Christ today, we pray that today they would choose you as their Savior. Thank you for being the God that we can call out to. Thank you that you can and show, uh, show and give us the way to go in this life. Whatever challenges folks are facing right now, let them not backslide, but run to you and plead with you and then go with you wherever that would lead. Lord, we pray for safety now as we go. Thank you for this time of worship that we've shared together. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks for coming today. We'll continue, Lord willing, next week. We hope to see you then. Awana resumes tonight, so young people can plan for that. I think we'll be able to play outside, so we don't need to move the chairs. This afternoon, I believe, unless somebody says it's a big storm, but uh, anyway, have a great rest of the day. God bless.